movies at this. This is where the fun begins. Take a seat. Maul's influence on Mandalore is destroying my people. What do you want from the Republic? Grievous has attacked the capital. Ladies and gentlemen, clones and clankers, welcome back to the Jedi Jargon Podcast. This is episode six. We are your newest source for in-depth discussion, news, and analysis of all things Star Wars. We're a podcast by Star Wars fans for Star Wars fans. My name is Jedi Master OB, and I first experienced the franchise through LEGO Star Wars. And this right here is Jedi Master Jeff, the boy who faced Darth Maul at Disney World and lived to tell the tale. Jeff, how you doing, man? Never been better, my friend. Never been better. And I I will say this. Clone Wars is peak Star Wars. That's how we will start this podcast. It It is. It is Star Wars at it, its finest. It and I think that there is no better example of this than this week's episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, Episode 9, Old Friends Not Forgotten. I tell you, man, I was kind of unsure about the new season, you know, with the first two arcs of this season. Uh, I think that Bad Batch, you know, we all kind of knew where that was going. They had previously released the story, uh, the story arc for it. You know, it was good. It was great to see Echo again and all that stuff. Um, And then the Ahsoka Martez sisters arc, I think it kind of left a lot to be desired. I I wasn't hating on it like a lot of the other fans out there in, in the Star Wars verse. I think that now... Knowing what we know about how this all turns out, I think it justifies the arc, but I don't know if it justifies four episodes of that arc. Hey man, I didn't mind it. Um, I've been on a on something of a social media cleanse, so I I didn't see anyone's impressions of it really, uh, like before I watched it, and I I didn't mind the sisters really. They're not like what I would consider super duper fleshed out interesting characters that I care about beyond that arc but they were cool I didn't mind them yeah I thought it was cool that they kind of represented both sides of Ahsoka like where she could go uh, in terms of you know her becoming very cynical but when you think about the two sisters they really do kind of and I think you may have mentioned this before represent the two sort of paths that she that Ahsoka could go down right like remain like trace kind of starry-eyed uh idealistic view of the galaxy and hopeful right or more like rafa who's a bit more rough around the edges and cynical like again like you said so the characters are meaningful in their own way and it's interesting to see how ahsoka in her journey from the beginning of the series to Let's say the end of the of her four episode arc in the current season. She's almost like the reverse of Luke Skywalker, you know. She belonged somewhere. 
she was where she wanted to be from the very beginning, and that was with the Jedi Order. And she's sort of like the inverse of a Luke kind of character, right? You know, she she rises to the ranks. She's there from the start. She doesn't have any obstacles standing in her way of belonging to something, right? And her discovery is that, and, you know, light spoilers if you haven't seen through season five of Clone Wars, is that she doesn't necessarily belong. And where she is now is discovering who she is, whatever that may be, Jedi or otherwise. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought the episode arc was, it was, you know, it was entertaining. You know, it served its purpose. But I just don't know if it needed four episodes. I think it could have been done in three, uh, especially because that third episode resulted with them being back in the same exact position they started out the episode in with no really new character development or plot changes. Yeah, it was... It it was, like, interesting to see, you know, their failed efforts, but that whole episode was just really failed efforts at trying to escape, which is fine. I still had fun with the episodes, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, I, I did too. I think that that third episode, though, you know, I finished watching it, and like, yeah, I enjoyed it, it was a good time, but when I finished it, I was like, oh man, like, I really gotta wait another week to find out what happens, like, oh man... You know, you know what I mean, though? It just, it just, not that it left a sour taste in my mouth, but it wasn't like a, that was a good episode. Like, it didn't leave a fulfilling feeling behind it. And I, I, maybe it was meant to be like that. Maybe it was meant to show, uh, for the first time, you know, one of our characters uh, actually facing some hardship and not coming out on top at the end of the episode. But anyway, I think that the ultimate purpose of that arc was to show uh, us, the viewers, that... Ahsoka has learned what life outside the Jedi Order is like, and she really has come to understand what regular people think of the Jedi. That they've become out of touch. They've come. Be, they've become out of touch with the regular folks of the galaxy, with their high-minded conflict and all this and all this stuff. And it really starts to paint a picture as to why the galaxy was able to turn against the Jedi so fast in Episode Three. Right, and that reflects even Ahsoka's own view of the Jedi Order, right? She was already, she already had her disagreements with the Order while she was part of it. And now it seems as if the views of the average folks, like the Martez sisters, the average folks uh, living about the galaxy that just are sort of like bystanders um, in the midst of this galactic conflict. It reminded me the Martez sisters and their hardships, they reminded me a lot of Wanda Maximoff and her brother there, Quicksilver. I forget the brother's actual name in the MCU, where their powers came essentially from um, Avengers fights, right? Like they, their battles with the intergalactic threats and what have you destroyed their homes and in a roundabout sort of way gave them their powers. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. I, yeah, they, they sort of, little parallel there that I noticed. Yeah, I think it would be really cool if they actually, the Martez sisters come back in one of the final episodes. I really hope that they weren't just like throwaway characters to push along Ahsoka's development. I think that it would be really awesome if they come back and save the day in some form or fashion in the end um, of this of this current arc. Or maybe we see them again in a future Ahsoka series, or... Possibly. Mando. Mando. Speaking of Mando, um, IGN yesterday put out this trailer for The Mandalorian Season 2 uh, that you sent me. And uh, I was I was all excited, right? <laughs> and I was watching it, I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't like look all that good, <laughs> right? Because it, it, it was all just reused footage. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then I see Baby Yoda... And he's like a teenager now, and it's kind of like teenage Groot in the Avengers. And I'm like, oh man, like I hope this is not where they go with this. Um, and then he starts like smoking some death sticks. I'm like, oh, it's 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 420. I I got it. It's I a got it. Joke, yeah. yeah, no, it was it was, was funny. But for a moment, I was pissed. I was like, this makes no sense. Like Yoda's species ages really slowly. Like this is the exact opposite of the way this is supposed to work. 
And then he's like smoking death sticks. I'm like, what? What the hell is this? Yeah, IGN every year on April first, they always post kind of like a spoof uh, video or trailer to mm-hmm. throw everybody off, and a lot of internet normies, I'll say, fall for it pretty easily. Um, like one year, they made this really cool trailer. It was like high production value. It was Vin Diesel driving the DeLorean, and it was a Fast and Furious Back to the Future crossover. And everyone actually thought it was real. Um, That's hilarious. For like a day. <laughs> That's so yeah, good. Yeah, and I, I don't think they did the April 1st. Well, no, because everything was like going to crap this year. No, yeah, everything, everybody was just, yeah, the whole world was in, uh, I mean, it's still kind of, yeah, anyway. Just in a major depressive episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that was funny. Everyone was like, yeah, we're going to not do April Fool this year because the whole year it's been a joke. Uh, not Not even a joke. More like... I don't even know, man. Yeah. Some sort of like the beginning of a like what like the beginning of the walking dead where everyone's just sort of reacting and panicking. Right. Anyway. That's not why we're here, folks. No, so we're here to discuss this week's episode of the Clone Wars, and that is called Old Friends Not Forgotten. So I probably have seen this episode five times by now. Um and I, I gotta say, this is the only episode of The Clone Wars, or really any TV show, where I've had the urge to go back and watch it again as soon as it was over. Uh, very similar to my feelings after watching a Star Wars movie in theaters. Um, I know you and I saw Rise of Skywalker opening night, and then we went back the very next day, and then I'm yeah, pretty the sure afternoon. I'm pretty sure I went back the next day after that as well. Uh, I saw that one five times as well, um, but. But my God, man, right from the jump, this was leaps and bounds ahead of anything that we've gotten in this series, in this season, in this show, right? So the opening, just right there, the opening was amazing. Uh, I had to rewind it and watch it like two or three times before I could even go into the episode because it was that good. Uh, It made me cry. I'm right there with you. I just watched a couple of hours ago. So as we're talking, it's pretty fresh in my mind. And I was emotional because from the go, like you said, this was by no means a regular episode. This is the beginning of the end of this series, sadly. But they're going out with a bang. And it's clear, clear as day. This this episode didn't feel like... An ordinary episode of this this series as we know it to me and this is the one thing that i texted you right after it felt like the first act of a really strong star wars film exactly you no know? i mean you had the you had the original lucasfilm limited logo right now i think that was because this is the last star wars project that george lucas ever worked on i think um right before the title card and then we get the red Clone Wars logo. We get the original Star Wars cinematic theme. We don't get it. We don't get a fortune cookie. We just get the episode title card. You know, it, it it wasn't the Clone Wars theme we've come to know and love. And I think that hearing that main theme in that way connects us so much more to the events of Episode Three. It almost makes us feel like a prequel for the prequel film, right? Um, and like you were saying, it really doesn't feel like a TV episode. And then. Not at all. And then, after the title card fades away, we see part one. Old friends, not forgotten. And it brings us right in to the Outer Rim sieges. It brings us right in. And we see the Jedi Council going off to their final positions before the episode, the events of episode three. We see Caleb Doom with his master, Depa Balaba. Um, as the holograms of the Jedi surround the, surround the table that they're talking about, all in the introduction. And then we get a beautiful shot for like one second of General Grievous. And I thought I was the only person that like noticed that shot, but I go on Twitter after and everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about just how beautiful that shot is, how how wonderfully composed it is. It's just incredibly high definition. And then when you go back and you look at General Grievous from the original film, the original Clone Wars film and the early episodes, it's just leaps and bounds ahead of where it was. 
We see Plo Koon, Ayla Sakura on the missions that they ultimately die in in Episode 3. Uh, like, holy crap, things are heating up. You know, like, the chips are beginning to fall into place. Um, and just that introduction alone, it it from from the jump, like I said, we had chills, we had tears. It was just, oh, it was amazing. I was, like, giddy with excitement and giggling for, like, such a long time during this episode, multiple times during the episode. Um, the heavy focus on the clones in the opening sequence was just so intense. And the music, and I know we'll get into the music later, it just felt like something right out of episode three. You know, a lot of these Clone Wars episodes, they feel very episodic, right? You have your characters on a mission, trying to get to an objective, um, overcome some challenge, you know, with some character development sprinkled in along the way. But this just feels like straight action. And one thing I want to get into is just how much they were able to cram in to a 30-minute episode. And it really wasn't 30 minutes. It was like 25 or 26 with the credits and everything. Um, but just the fact that so much happened in such a short amount of time. And then when you go look at other episodes, they were the same amount of time, and they feel like they just dragged on. you know. And that's just what that's what felt different about this episode. Um, and it, and like, like you were saying, it feels like a part one to a movie. And I think that's maybe why they called it part one. Because I feel like they're really trying to bookend this series with two great films. Now, the original Clone Wars film, I don't know if you know this, um, was originally just the first four episodes of the series. And they just said, screw it, we're going to release it as a feature-length film. And I think they kind of internalized that lesson and said, hey, let's do the same thing for the final four episodes. um, But let's make it amazing. Um, So, if you want to... Right, and they... They're clearly trying to make this end as sweet and as powerful as possible, right? Dis- distinguishing these episodes from the rest of the series, it's clear, clear as day. And it's interesting to consider how far this series has come, right? From the beginning, I remember even as a kid, when I went to see the Clone Wars movie in theaters, whenever that came out. I 2008? 2008 yeah I saw that in theaters with my dad even as a kid I I wasn't impressed I thought the animation was a bit weird Ahsoka was annoying um yeah I I was like in watching this show even as a kid I didn't have any interest in watching the show because it was taking what I loved so dearly which is the prequel content and kind of making it into this kid show and I was like as a kid I was like no. Yeah, and, I, and dude, I was like, why does Anakin need a need a student? Why does he need an apprentice? Right? But how far all of these characters have come. And in these final episodes, we haven't, at the time of recording, that's, you know, this part one of the Siege of Mandalore is all we've got. But from what we saw of everyone, they're, from where they were, at the beginning of this series, let alone in like episode two, for the for the characters that were in episode two, they are pretty much everyone is at their peak, right? In right. terms of their their power, right? And also, like they're also sure of who they are at this point, unlike where they were at the beginning, especially Ahsoka. And I think we're we're starting to kind of get into the content of the episode here. Um, so, for those of you listening to this who like Star Wars, who are like all of us right now, stuck at home in quarantine, I urge you, I beg of you, if even if you haven't watched any of the Clone Wars series so far, you don't have to to enjoy this this beautiful piece of content. Because you can enjoy this episode and the the uh, following three in a vacuum, and appreciate it for just a an exciting prelude to episode three. So, I think here is our cutoff for spoilers. If you, I, I urge you to pause here and watch if you haven't, please. And uh, in general, I think it's time to sound the spoiler klaxons. <laughs> Oh, my God.
So if you're listening at this point, uh, you have watched Season 7, Episode 9 of The Clone Wars, or you just hate all things that are good in this world. <laughs> so you have been forewarned. Uh, we're going to get into some seriously spoilery stuff for The Clone Wars, Season 7, Episode 9. So let's just kind of go through and give a summary of the episode. So I took a, I took a copious amount of notes here. Uh, as I said, I have watched this five times. So, we get the beautiful um, introduction with the with the narration by Tom Kane, uh, our narrator. And we focus down on the planet. Uh, I forget what planet they're fighting on. But we see, just like in the original movie, they are fighting on a thin bridge. Um, you know, clones versus droids. And oddly enough, it kind of reminded me of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Uh, and I kind of chuckled to myself and said, oh, suspension bridges are canon in Star Wars now. Didn't know that before. Um, but I think that's interesting, though, because Lucasfilm is headquartered in San Francisco, so you never know. So, we are in the midst of Episode 3. So, as the introduction states, the, separa- the Separatist offensive into the Outer Rim has forced the Council to dispatch Jedi to assist the clones. We see Plo Koon, Aeos Kira on the missions that they ultimately, you know, end up getting murked in by the clones. Um, the chips are beginning to fall into place. So, we pan down into this battle, and the clones we have come to know and love are just getting ripped apart, initially. Now, just as Cody is about to get destroyed by some cannon or some shot from out of the sky, we see a Jedi slice the beam and save him. And it pans up on Obi-Wan Kenobi as the orchestra um, heralds his arrival into the battle. Again, that moment felt like something out of the films. Not, (laughs) It wasn't an average Clone Wars moment. I was, even that little little moment with Obi-Wan, so good. I agree. I agree. And we get Cody, and we get some Obi-Wan banter, just straight goofing. Um, and then Obi-Wan says, you know, where where is Anakin? You know, Anakin's, well, I'm right here. And, and he's just being so incredibly nonchalant about it. Uh, while they're, you know, hunkered down behind the with the shelter, Anakin's just standing up in the midst of um, of the battle. And Anakin says, you know, what are you guys doing? There's only a thousand droids down there. Tops. Um, and then he, you know, nonchalantly just dodges that blaster bolt, which I think was hilarious and totally in keeping with his character. Um, <clears throat> and he, you know, Obi-Wan says, you know, where's, where's Rex? And Anakin says, we already finished our battle, so we thought we'd come over here and help you with yours. Um, and then I think around two minutes and 35 seconds into the, into the show, uh, I heard a little quote of Vader's theme, uh, kind of sounded like the end of episode six with the, with the strings, um, but I, I digress. Uh, Obi and Annie's banter is freaking hilarious. I just gotta say, um, just oh, just classic, just classic. It, it reminds me of their banter at the beginning of Episode Three, right? I mean, this is probably a day or two before that opening sequence in Episode Three, so it would only make sense that the banter is just on point. Right, right. So Obi-Wan and Anakin are just yucking it up, and Anakin steps forward over the the little barrier, and he starts walking forward, and all the droids begin to zero in on him, and they're getting ready to, you know, ready aim fire, and Anakin says, hold your fire, and all the droids hold their fire, and he says, I have come to surrender, right? Come to surrender like my ass, of course. Um, That was hilarious, that whole sequence so, oh, he was, he was. Uh, and they're looking for the tactical droid, basically like the droid general. And the, 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 he's obviously hiding so he doesn't get shot. Um, so Anakin walks forward to surrender. And all the droids are confused. The tactical droid comes up to see what's going on. And then we pan down under the bridge and we see R2-D2 and the 501st. <laughs> we see R2-D2 and the 501st, and R2's talking to Rex, and Rex says, how much, you know, how much longer, right? Or, or one of the other clones says, how much longer to Rex? And then Rex says, just a little bit longer. And the, Even the clones in that, that little moment, like, how much longer, really? Is he still doing this? Right, right, right. 
and then he, and then he, and then and then he was like serious sir and it was it was just so funny it was so funny and like you see all these droids i think the, one of the best parts of this episode was just the fact of how grand the scale was right so we see you know all these clones just chilling under the bridge and we're like oh like it's about to go down um so that that was awesome so one thing that i thought was also interesting one of the droids says to the tactical droid uh, Sir Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker has surrendered. First of all, how does he know Anakin's name, right? Um, but anyway, so it's a trap. Anakin force pulls the tactical droid and just murks him. He slices him in half, and then R2 gives the 501st the signal. Obi-Wan's troops start to rush forward, and we hear the Star Wars theme with the, the kind of f- Millennium Falcon like adventure theme from the prequels, which I think is great. That they, because they didn't use those themes enough, those light motifs enough in the prequels and in the Clone Wars. I just thought that everything about this episode regarding the music just tied it all together with the films. Oh yeah, it was a completely different direction from uh, what we're used to with this series. Exactly, you could hear it clear exactly. as day. And I'm not even I'm not nearly as much of a uh, music aficionado as our guy Jedi Master Ob. <laughs> And that was clear to me. Right. Right. Um, and, I, and I get why they do different, you know, why John Williams made different themes for the different eras. Because, you know, you can't just play the same music over and over again. But I just think that, you know, some might call it laziness. I just call it <laughs> a masterstroke. Um, putting in this music from the original trilogy. Uh, it just made it feel like that much more of a Star Wars adventure, not just an adventure. Um, so so all the clones are rushing forward to, to go at the droids. And... Commander Cody says to Obi-Wan, General, and then Obi-Wan says, yes, Rex, you can go join the fun. And and then Cody, and I believe the, the 212th, they just all just go ham. And it, it was just such a beautiful sequence. And then we see Anakin just standing there as the clones are rushing past, and Obi-Wan goes to join him. Um, and, they, and they talk for, for a little bit. And we hear um, a, uh, a transmission from Yularen, and he says that someone has been using Anakin's subspace, subspace frequency, uh, fulcrum, right? And that, to all of us who have watched Star Wars Rebels, is a huge little little, little Easter egg right there. Because um, as we know, Soka is fulcrum. So Anakin says, Sagarera. Sagarera, yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, the fulcrum nickname, yeah. As soon as uh, Yalaren dropped that, I was like, all right. I see what's happening right now. Exactly. Exactly. So, exciting. so Anakin's like, Sagarera, like the siege at Onderon isn't going well, I guess, which was a great little little throwback to the to the Onderon arc. Um, but then Yularen says, No, it's not Guerrera. So Anakin and Obi Wan, you know, go up to the to the capital ship and they see um, a hologram of Ahsoka with Bo Katan and Ahsoka turns around. And she says, hello, Master, it's been a while. And Anakin's, like, so happy to see her, right? And as we know, Bo-Katan and her have located Maul on Mandalore. And Obi-Wan is a little cautiously optimistic about the prospect of capturing Maul, right? So anyway, so Ahsoka and Bo-Katan's ship lands on the Republic cruiser. And this is the moment that we've been waiting for. Ever since... Ahsoka left the order. We've been waiting for this moment. It's been it's been years, man. So we hear the little flute theme of the binary sunset um, as Ahsoka is coming off the ship, and R two is just so happy to see her. Uh, this is exactly like her entrance in the Star Wars: The Clone Wars original movie, by the way. And a lot of this episode is like is a lot of parallels, but that's just that's just one of them right there. And I actually really thought that she would say. Hey there, Artui. But again, she's come so far. But again, she's come so far, so like that wouldn't fit. But I, I, I was actually very scared that she was gonna say that. I'm like, oh man, please don't, <laughs> please, because that's what her character was very cringy, like, like peak cringe. Anyway, uh, Anakin is gleaming uh, at the moment. He's so excited to see her. He just wants to catch up, but she doesn't want to play catch up just yet. And to me, it seemed a little, a little cold. A little cold. Um, I mean, yeah, and going going back a couple of steps here, even 
when he was when they were speaking to Ahsoka and Bo-Katan on the hologram, Anakin was gleaming in that moment as well. Like he was so excited to see his former Padawan. Uh, you know, clearly it's been a while. It's been years for us viewers. It's probably been quite some time for the characters as well in universe. He was so ready even in that moment to just I think the first thing that he says, he he just says whatever is on his mind. He's like, How are you? My god, it's been so long. What what's going on? He's he loses his composure a little bit right. and Ahsoka is just so like you said, cold, so composed, confident, sure of herself. Right. And he, he says to her, you know, how are you? Where are you? Are are you okay? Just like that. Yeah, and that's, that was it. And it was just such a beautiful little parallel to Where's Padme? Is she hurt? Is she all right? You know, that whole Oh, just beautiful. Just beautiful. Uh so anyway, so again, Ahsoka, she's back. She seems incredibly grown up. Um and we know just by how cold that introduction was with her and Anakin that there's some more to come. There's some more to come with that. So we find out that Maul is on Mandalore in the city of Sindari. And the Mandalorians need the Republic's help to lock down the city. Um, in, and the agreement is that the Republic can have Maul and Bo-Katan will have Mandalore in the end. Um, Obi-Wan says this is going to go against treaties that have been you know, in existence for over 100 years. Um, but Bo-Katan says, you know, what's one more war? Um, and she accuses Obi-Wan of putting uh, his feelings for her sister, Satine, uh, on the back burner, which of course he is, because as a Jedi, he has to put the mission before his personal feelings. Uh, so he decides to bring the issue of Mandalore to the Jedi Council. Now, after Obi-Wan exits, Anakin and Ahsoka finally get their moment together he says he has a surprise for her. and when i heard that i just knew like things were gonna get exciting um and as anakin and ahsoka are walking through the corridors of the of the cruiser uh, all the clones that they're passing are saluting ahsoka you know and they're, and they're saying commander and she says they shouldn't be calling me commander you know since i left the order but anakin says no like they remember everything you've done for them like Day out, day in and day out, like battle after battle. Um, and then we hear a little trumpet fanfare, and it says loyalty means everything to the clones. And the door opens. And holy shit, <laughs> I just lost it. Rex and company are painted. Uh, they painted their helmets to match Ahsoka's um, Togruta you know, facial markings. Man, I, I lost it. Uh, I, I lost, I lost it. it too, man. I mean, it's so uh, Rex, he cares so deeply for Ahsoka. Their connection is more than just commander and soldier. You know, it, I it was explored even further in Rebels in a beautiful way. Uh, but seeing that tribute, that even though she left, that her, all, everything she did for them, it stayed in their hearts, you know? Right. And they were so ready to take her back. And Anakin... And I'm, you're probably going to get to what I'm thinking about next in a moment. He was ready for her, too. You could tell. He was. And I think he was... Um, I mean, he missed her. You know, he didn't want her to leave. Um, and then when we see her in the in the, in the the past arc, going on the ship um, on Coruscant with Trace and Rafa, we kind of can tell that they sense each other. And oh, a no. little, just a I little moment. that moment as right, well. Right, right. That was before they left to go... Uh, take on the job, right? Right. They were on their way out of Coruscant, and they were flying through an illegal trade route or something like that. But they, they're um, in a military, a military lane, right? Yeah, military lane, right? Space lane uh, to leave the planet. And it was very much a uh, Vader-Luke uh, kind of like force sense moment. Exactly. Again, something that we haven't really seen too much in the series. Bringing exactly. in that sort of original trilogy flair, that um, feeling of the films rather than the feeling of the series that we've come to know so well. Right, right. So Rex says to Ahsoka, glad to have you back, Commander. 
And she says, you know, Rex, you don't have to call me Commander anymore. He says, you know, sure thing, C- Commander. <laughs> that was that was just <laughs> that was it was. Um, like you said, they have such a strong connection. So Anakin uh, is handed a box by Rex for Ahsoka, um, and he's about to give it to her. But the klaxons sound, and Obi-Wan comes rushing in and says that General Grievous has attacked the capital on Coruscant. Things are falling into place. This is this is it. We can tell that this is the first moment where we realize that this takes place during Episode 3. Yep. You know, with the introduction of seeing the Jedi, you know, being dispatched, that could have happened before, but we are now seeing that this is happening during Episode 3. And that's something that I wasn't entirely sure was going to happen. Uh, I didn't read too much into um, the descriptions for these episodes that were going to get released. I didn't even know much about the Siege of Mandalore arc that was discussed in years past. So I didn't really know that this was going to take place during Episode 3. And my God, it, it is insane. So we learned that Shakti has been dispatched to protect the Chancellor, but Mace Windu has lost contact with her. Now, the keen viewers will understand and realize that that's actually a callback to not only the original Clone Wars TV series, where Shakti is dispatched to defend the Chancellor, but also the deleted scenes from Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, where Shakti actually dies twice. The many deaths of Shakti. Um, she's killed by General Grievous, in one of them, and I forget how she dies in the other one. Um, but yeah, so she is sent to this to, to protect the Chancellor. And that was just a nice little callback to kind of confirm that that's, that's kind of still canon. So, uh, Ahsoka gets upset that they're playing politics. Uh, and that they are going to put the Chancellor before the people of Mandalore. But Obi-Wan says, you know, the heart of the Republic is under attack. And that's yeah, also, that's by not, the way, a, yeah. a, that's a callback to the opening crawl of episode 3. Right, and he also says to her, "That's not fair, Ahsoka. You can't, you can't play that guilt game on me. I'm doing my job. This is my duty. Right. I'm, and she's cringing, right? Because the duty of the Jedi is to keep peace. And what are they doing? They're turning their, they're turning their back essentially on an opportunity to make peace. But also, a planet torn apart by war and, you know, a, a Sith Lord. Right." But also, I feel like her argument is a bit of a stretch. You know, they're Jedi generals. Like, sure, we can discuss that the Jedi have lost their way or whatever, which is which is objectively true, and we, and we realize that later on. But they have a mission. They are, you know, serving at the, you know, at the pleasure of the Chancellor, essentially. Um, and they have to protect him, and they have to protect the capital of the Republic. You know what I mean? Um... So then she says that the people have lost faith in the Jedi. And this is where the last four-episode arc really starts to make sense. And again, I don't entirely know if this needed to be a four-episode arc to achieve this goal to to make one line, you know, make sense and feel right. But she says that the people have lost faith in the Jedi. And she did too until she was reminded of what the Order means to people who truly need the Jedi. Trace and Rafa... They lost faith in the Jedi until they met Ahsoka and realized that she is what a Jedi should be. Right. And the sisters, it's clear that they reinforced uh, a belief that Ahsoka had already held, right? That sort of um, feeling of doubt um, that the, the Jedi Order is what it ought to be, right? Her interact, her adventures with those with the martez sisters they just reinforced a a belief that was already there right and it's clear that you know that yeah uh, many may argue that that arc may have been a bit much um you you even hold that view yourself Mm -hmm. but yeah by the time she arrives uh, on that cruiser and reunites with obi-wan and anakin they're she is steadfast. Right. And, and it makes it that much more worthwhile, her return. It, it makes it feel earned. So Anakin wants to divide up the 501st and give half of them of the Legion to Ahsoka. Now, Obi-Wan says she can't do that because she's not a part of the Grand Army of the Republic anymore, uh, which, which makes sense. So Anakin says, hey, let's promote Rex from captain to commander and have Ahsoka go with him as an advisor, to which Ahsoka accepts and Obi-Wan agrees. Um, and as Obi-Wan's leaving, 
Uh, he says, I killed Maul once. Best to capture him. He doesn't seem to stay dead. Love that line. Love that line. So, <laughs> such a beautiful callback um, to episode one. So after Obi-Wan leaves, Ahsoka and Anakin get the moment that we've been waiting for them to have. So, Ahsoka thanks Anakin for, you know, helping her out with this Mandalore situation. And Anakin says, you know, that's what friends are for. And Ahsoka just is beaming. So Anakin says to Ahsoka, hey, if you're going to go to Mandalore to get Maul, you're going to need these. And of course, we all know what's in the box, right? But just the reveal of her two um, lightsabers. And she takes them out. And she ignites them. And they're blue. And of course they're blue. Because Anakin says, I've made some changes to them. You know, maybe they're even a little better. And Um, her face. And her face. She just looks up at him. She was so spry. She was. She was. Um, But she was so happy. She really was. Um, Yeah. So, and then I start to think, oh man, this might just be their last meeting ever. Yep. Because you know where Anakin and Obi-Wan are headed. Exactly. So. Exactly. And in Rebels, yeah. in, in Rebels, uh, Ahsoka says, the last time I saw Anakin, he was running off to save the Chancellor. And then everything changed. Um, and this is exactly what we're doing. This is where we are. Uh, so, so, she okay. says, so she says, Anakin, um, well, a- uh, um, Anakin wishes her good luck. And then I believe she said, Master Plo says there's no such thing as luck. Um, and then Anakin starts to turn away. And Ahsoka says, Anakin... Good luck, and um, I'm I'm getting all misty eyed talking about it right now. Uh, the music sounded like the Shire theme for a, for a second, um, from Lord of the Rings. Uh, just just right there, and I also noticed how uh, I'm not gonna like hum it for you guys right now. But if you go back and you listen to that music, um, it's just so emotional. The the strings right there, and then you notice that the the melody and the harmony start to diverge and go in opposite directions. And that was just a sad reminder of things to come. But not only is Anakin going to diverge from his Jedi path, he is going to never see Ahsoka again until he's Darth Vader. Um, and in only a few days' time, he's going to battle Obi-Wan yeah, that, to the death. Right. That moment, it hit, it hit hard. Uh, like a lot of the small moments in this episode for me, and for you I know as well, they truly pulled out all the stops, if you will. Um, and knowing that their farewell, as Anakin left to go and save the day, rescue the Chancellor, we all know what happens there. That moment reminded me so much of when Anakin and Obi-Wan went their separate ways in episode three. The, it's a similar feeling, you know, um, because there was never a there was never a really bad blood or because yes there was bad blood between Ahsoka and the order and Anakin and the order but between two friends you know a, a, just an, a normal usual everyday goodbye you know all right so I'll see you next time good luck right but it's not that you know no. the audience knows that but they don't and that's what makes it so sad that we we have some advanced knowledge that our characters don't. Um, and it was just, mm, just chef's kiss. So the attack on Mandalore begins. And dude, again, back to the music. The music is so freaking intense. And I actually found out later that the music from this scene is the same music that's in the opening of Revenge of the Sith. Like beat for beat. Oh my god, I gotta go back and watch this episode again, man. I'm dying <laughs> here. I wanna go back and watch. Uh, so the music is beat for beat. Uh, the music that we hear for the opening Revenge of the Sith. Now what I think that is, is that's to show us that the attack on Coruscant and the attack on Mandalore are happening concurrently at the same time. So this scene is just so intense. We have clones and Mandalorians under the command of Bo-Katan united. We learn that Prime Minister Almec is a shill and a puppet for Maul. 
the Prime Minister informs... Yeah. yeah, no, we know. Uh, the Prime Minister informs Rook to inform the Syndicate of the invasion. Uh, my question was, you know, a little, little Crimson Dawn in there, possibly. Uh, and then we get clones with jetpacks again. We get some jet troopers. Um, I love those guys. And Ahsoka says to Rex in a little playful moment, uh, race you to the surface. <laughs> and the Force theme, the binary sunset theme, plays as Ahsoka absolutely wrecks the Mandalorians uh, on her way down to the surface. Um, it's kind of like a like a like a heavier version, like a battle version of the Force theme, with a bit of an Avengers theme vibe, almost. So Ahsoka, that. exactly. So Ahsoka's like murking these Mandalorians uh, on the way down. The Mal- the Mandalorians, right? And and there's one clone trooper. He's a pilot of one of the um, one of the transports, and he's stuck in his cockpit and he can't get out. And we see that they're fast approaching the city. So Ahsoka, you know, jumps onto his transport, uh, ignites her lightsaber, and the and the um, the wind sc- the the little shield the word I'm looking for would be windscreen. Uh, windscreen. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, it, it just flies off the cockpit covering, if you will. Um, and this is a really funny moment. The clone really quickly says, thanks, Commander, and then just jets off. <laughs> it's like, got a, got a blast. Um, thanks, Commander. Right. No, it, it was such a comical bailing out, uh, if you will. Um, so, <laughs> my God, Ahsoka's landing on the sur- surface was cinematic as all hell. With the other Mandalorians, you know, coming to her aid uh, as they chase down the Mandalorians. You know, we see her just do a little barrel roll, dig her lightsabers in, you know, and then get into like a battle position as the, you know, the explosion behind her. Just, my God, they couldn't have made that any more perfect. Everything with Ahsoka is so effortless. It is. That's, again, it speaks to how far she's come as a character and as a Jedi, right? Not, well, not necessarily a Jedi now, but (laughs) as a warrior, right? As a, as a, I don't know, um... I think we're gonna we're gonna I, no no I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna find out what she will be, you know, with her relationship with the Force because we saw with the previous arc that she was willing to use the Force when necessary. You know, she wasn't like Luke in the Last Jedi when she just cut herself off from the Force. She would still use it, um, and then she took kindly to the prospect of using her lightsabers again when they were handed to her. You know, she didn't say no, I can't use those. She embraced it. You know, she is more of a Jedi than many Jedi. You know? Exactly. I that is such a real thing, right? Like when when we look at won't get too far into the real world here, but if we look at a lot of like religious folks and whatnot out out there in the world, the wide big world, not pointing any fingers or anything. But it's it's one thing to to practice the faith and, you know, buy into the dogma. And the rules, right? Like a me- like a member of the Jedi Council, let's say, in the world of Star Wars, or to be someone who really looks under the surface, under the um, sort of fallible views of those in charge, because the Jedi Order is kind of like a church. Um, it is kind of like a religion. It is a religion, and Ahsoka was one of those people. Right, that looked under the surface and really saw through the twisted views of those at the top, right? And it wasn't that, she, and that, and I think you make a good point when you say that um, she was sort of embracing who she was in that moment of taking her lightsabers back and using the force when necessary. She's, it's hard to say like what she is, right? And I think we're going to see yeah, that otherwise. exactly, and I think we're going to see that by the end of this arc, you know what she's going to be for the intervening period between episode three and when we see her in Rebels. Again, I'm just so excited to potentially see her in the Mandalorian as well. Um, so we see Ahsoka land on the surface of the city, and the, the other Mandalorians, they know they come to join her as they battle the Mandalorians, and then Rex finally lands, and she says, "Beat you." And Rex says, some things never change. I Again, I, I, I know that Dave Filoni has stated that Rex and Ahsoka, besides you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin and all them, because they have their own time in the movies, um, they're the real main characters of this of this show, of this series. And I just, 
their banter, their their character development, their relationship um, together, not not independently, but them them two as friends, has been really great to see. Because I know in the movie, the first movie, he was very loath to to really respect her and to consider her um, a legitimate force to be reckoned with. Uh, but she has proved herself, you know, time and time again. So, Bo-Katan and her Mandalorians head for the throne room as Rex splits off with Ahsoka and heads down to the Undercity. So, uh, Prime Minister Almec and Bo-Katan, they fight. Uh, a little bit of a bit of a dirty fight there. Um, but Bo-Katan finds out that it's a trap for Ahsoka and that Maul is down there and he wants Kenobi. So, they get down to the Undercity and Captain Vaughn, who's one of um, Ahsoka's troopers in the 332nd, um, you know, tells her that Gar Saxon, one of the leadership, ran away through the tunnels. So Ahsoka and the clones go to follow his trail. And, um, again, when when the Mandalorians attack the throne room, it, 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 was, it was, dude, it was, it was amazing. You know, this is the freaking way. They beat the crap out of the Prime Minister. Um, and again, that was just a beautiful scene. Made quick and easy work of the Mandalorians. They did. They did. Um, and this is where it starts to kind of go awry for the first time in the episode. So as Ahsoka and her clones in the 332nd are all down there in the Undercity, the clones are picked off one by one. I noticed that Ahsoka tried to use the Force to block the, the rocket from one of the Mandalorians, but she couldn't and gets knocked down. She probably just didn't react quickly enough. Exactly. It was flying at it, it was. Um, and this is where I started to get all misty-eyed for another reason. Um, it's just so sad to hear the cries of her troopers as they get picked off one by one. And and Captain Vaughn dies in her arms, and, she's, and he says, you know, I'm sorry, Commander. Uh, and we see Ahsoka surrounded by these other Mandalorians. Um, and then we hear her heavy light, we hear heavy metal steps. metal steps. We know who's coming. Exactly. And Darth Maul comes out and says, I was hoping for Kenobi. Why are you here? Like he says in Rebels. And we hear the echo of Ahsoka's sabers, which sound kind of like the Temple Guards um, sabers, as the created by George Lucas card comes on the screen and we fade to black. No like music. Even as, even as the credits start to hit, though, the echo of her lightsaber ignition is like the only sound that we have. Exactly. No music to play us out. Part one, complete. Boy, oh D- boy, oh boy. Dude, I went back and I immediately watched it again. That's and probably what I'm doing after we record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on a scale of... Uh, give, me, give, me a, give me a letter grade. A letter grade? This is A plus Star Wars. Not like, I'm... I can't even like compare it to other episodes of the Clone Wars series because it it just feels like Act One of a kick-ass film, like A plus. It's the it. Oh, I'm stumbling to find the right words to describe how fucking amazing it is. I think that this has to be one of the best, if not the best, episodes of this entire series. And I saw that one of the folks that's working on the show tweet out earlier this week, uh, or yesterday actually, says, you know, today's Monday, four days to go until the best episode of The Clone Wars. And I'm like, what do you mean the best? That was last Friday. Like, how can we possibly get any better, right? Um, and I, I, I have no words. It, it If it's only going to get better from here, you know what I mean? Um, like, I am ready to be so hurt. Like I am ready for Star Wars to hurt me and to gut me again with Order sixty six. <laughs> Who would have thunk that would be the Revenge of the Sith, our favorite Star Wars film? Who would have thought that we'd arrive back at that point in the Star Wars um, storyline, just from a different point of view? You know, um, it's amazing. Exactly, and I think that. The the creative choices that are that are being made in this final arc are just totally unique to anything we've seen in Star Wars before. Because even when we have prequels and we have prequels to the originals, 
and now we're getting prequels to prequels. Uh, but like specifically with Rogue One, Rogue One ends where Episode Four starts, which is really cool, right? So it makes it so you want to go watch Episode Four right after, and oftentimes I do when I watch Rogue One. I go right into Episode Four. Um, but this is different. This is different because it happens concurrently. You know, right after I watched this for the second time, uh, I threw on episode three. And it was really cool. It was so cool to see that. And to hear the little musical cues that line up and all the different little things. Um, because you know what's happening. Exactly. Like, right right around when the, the um, well, uh, you know, just with this part one here, right around when that uh, battle was happening over Coruscant. Right. Um, and you know, in a way, what's sort of going on through going through Obi-Wan and Anakin's mind when they're flying through space, kicking ass. Because they are confident and they're, you know, when we watch that movie for the first time, yeah, their minds are on the mission. They're peak Jedi. They're, you know, they're amazing. They're our heroes. But it's also, also now we can consider that Obi-Wan is probably thinking about Mandalore. And how Satine would have probably wanted him to help out. And if she was still alive, I'm sorry, but he he would have gone. He would have been there, right? Um, so that's probably going on, going on through his mind in that cockpit and that and his Jedi Starfighter and Anakin. Right. As thinking, well. thinking about thinking Ahsoka. About, thinking about Ahsoka. It just enriches everything so much. Right. Um, I, I I've seen a lot of folks talk about this episode. And I, maybe I agree um, with this criticism that this one episode of a of a kids show uh, is better than the entire sequel trilogy. <laughs> um, it just it just feels like Star Wars where it oh, should million be. Percent, million percent agree with that. And I, I don't know if that's like a fair take me. to make. Um, but but yeah, no, I think it might be. <laughs> I think it might be, and I and I hate to say it because you know. They're multi-hundred million dollar productions, but maybe they should have just had Dave Filoni make the sequels. That's just me. Honestly. Yeah. Um, I also agree. I'm going to give this an A+. Um, I don't think I've ever given out an A+, for an episode before, um, because this is just leaps and bounds ahead of anything that we've seen. This is a whole new league. Uh, I truly hope that once this four-arc episode, four-episode arc is complete, um, and this quarantine is lifted, that they're going to release this uh, cinematically, just like the original. I would pay to go see this, you know, spliced into one continuous movie. What what an experience that would be. Oh, and Dude, I don't have any words. I So, to give the listeners a bit of context, for me, I was a bit behind in my my viewing. So I had a I had like I think two yeah, two episodes left in the Ahsoka Martez sisters arc to watch. And like I said, I've been off the internet for the most part. So I didn't see the hype and talk in, uh on Twitter and what have you ar- around this episode. So my mind was devoid of expectation apart from uh, Ob's texts, and I'm telling him, I'm like, Constant dude, badgering, like, watch it, watch it, man. Have you watched it? Have you watched it? And the expectations were real, uh, dude. I was on your ass, Ob alone. I was on your ass. I was like, well, I texted him Friday morning at like 8 a.m. I was up at three, and I watched it like a normal, <laughs> like a normal Star Wars fan. Um, I watched it at 3 a.m. when it came out, and then I watched it again at 3:30 a.m. when it came out uh, again for me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it came out again for me. <laughs> I love that. But then I texted you at like 8 a.m. like, dude, watch the freaking show. And he's like, oh man, I got to finish this arc. And then he just proceeded to not watch it for like four days. All yeah, all, all we weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, we're in quarantine. You have nothing better going on. <laughs> like, let's be real. And I think you, I, the thing is though, I'm a very like picky, like, like television and movie and even video game consumer. Right, as we I are. I need to be in the right environment, like mindset to truly take it take it in. And and that's and you built up all these expectations for me, right? So I'm like, oh, like, you know, like I'd be ready to watch 
but I'd be like kind of tired or, you know, I'd have to work on something for, you know, online classes or what have you. Like I, I wanted to be fully, fully, fully invested in this, right. With all these expectations that you're throwing my way. Um, and it was, it was worth it. I woke up early today, uh, day of this recording, uh, 421 and whew, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You texted me this morning and I was like, my, my, my guy. Yeah. I had to bite my tongue too with those texts. Those like reaction texts. I was just like, all right, man. Uh, well, I know we were talking before the show. <laughs> you and I were talking before we hit record and I was like, dude, don't, don't say anything. <laughs> like, no talk, no reaction about this show. Got to save it. Um, right. But then you and I actually, we watched the intro to the show one more time before we hit record. And it was just like, eh. Yeah, just to get the inspiration Just going. to get the and inspiration. My God did it. My God did it. Ugh. And, and again, I, I can't believe how crazy it is that all they have to do is just play the original music to get everyone going. Um, but I, I was think clapping. I was alone dude, in I my was, basement clapping. Dude. I was it alone. Was so good. I was alone in my bed, like giggling like a school child and and clapping like a seal at three th- three a.m. on Friday morning. <laughs> dude, I felt, but I felt as if, like when I was watching, you know, my first viewing, I was in my basement, lights off, you know, sound system booming. I was clapping, and I felt the way I did. You know, for like an opening night of a new Star Wars film. Exactly. Like, oh my God! What? Exactly. Oh. Like so, I, so good. I honestly feel like it was a, I don't know, the first time you and I saw the Rise of Skywalker, we were very fulfilled, and I think with each watching, it kind of became a little less fulfilling. But if we just focus on that initial viewing, right, <laughs> in a vacuum, um, this was very similar to that. Just, just our reactions to everything. You know, uh, like yeah. I, I had strong reactions to every little moment. Right, exactly. Um, and one thing I know I didn't touch on uh, was the opening sequence, the opening battle, um, when Rex and the and company are under the bridge and Anakin's waiting for the tactical droid. We hear the little cues from Return of the Jedi when Luke is on the execution barge uh, at, by the by the the pit of Carcoon. Um, that Family Guy has so lovely, um, lovingly recreated um, those little beats the with, the, with, the, with the nods. Yeah, the show itself also nodded to that moment uh, in the Onderon. No, it wasn't Onderon. It was um, the, one, the one with the slavers, the slaver planet there, um, where Ahsoka is taken as a slave, Obi Wan is captured, and Anakin has to. Save yeah, the day. Catches light. Yeah, save the day. Catches lightsaber from R2, all that. Like, and it just the doesn't show work. itself even made a nod to it. And it, right. it, it, and it didn't... It was like an Easter egg. It didn't really feel like a... No, no, I don't mean it didn't work. I don't mean moment. like it didn't work. I mean like it didn't work out for the characters. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think... And I originally thought you meant like, oh, it didn't work out as a moment. But there's something to that. It, it feels more like it... Like an overt, Easter egg, an overt Easter egg. Yeah. Whereas... This kind of feels like it works. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they weren't, like, recreating the moment. They were just reusing the music. Yeah, and music is powerful. It brings you back to those, to those times where you first experienced something, right? Right. Like, in the, at the climax of The Rise of Skywalker, where... You know, Lando says over the comms, you know, there are more of us, Poe. There are more of us. And the main theme <laughs> in a way that it has never, in a way that it has never played before. Right. And I love that. It just oh, it brought everything together. It brought you back. It, it didn't even bring you back to anything in particular. It, it was just such a powerful moment. Right. And I think the power of music really did shine through with this episode. Right. The last thing I want to touch on uh, is just the animation. Uh, the opening shot, holy shit, does General Grievous look high def? And it's like, folks I saw on Twitter just got so much more hype about that one shot of General Grievous 
than like the entirety of Palpatine being back, right? Love this fan base. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but if you if you look at the animation from the original movie to this, it's just leaps and bounds ahead of it. Uh, I'm watching Clone Wars with my mom right now. Actually, we're going through and watching as many as we can uh, in anticipation of next week's episode. And she notes, she's like, why does everybody walk so weird? I'm like, Mom, that's 2008's animation for you. And for those of you who, you know, heeded my warning at the beginning of this podcast and watched, it'll be a bit jarring if you watched, if this is your first frame of reference for Clone Wars. I I applaud you for watching, but it'll be a bit jarring going backwards um, if you loved it and do want to watch the entirety of it. I agree. I agree. So, uh, yeah, Jeff, any, any final thoughts? Is it Friday yet? Not yet. Today's Tuesday, unfortunately. But we, we, we did find out that they're going to be releasing the final episode a couple days early on May 4th. So that's pretty exciting. The final episode on Star Wars Day. So good. It, it is. Uh, again... This has to be the best episode of Clone Wars that I've ever seen. And honestly, one of the best additions to the Star Wars canon that I have ever experienced. And if the rest of the episodes are like this, it'll be no contest. Yeah, man. I I cannot wait until this final arc is all out so I can watch all four parts together. Uh, Dude, we're we're getting a whole new Star Wars movie. We're getting a movie. We got we got Act One, of a beautiful film, right? And I, I can't wait to watch all of it. I mean, Sam Witwer, who plays Darth Maul, had tweeted out earlier uh, last week. He had said, you know, this I just watched the first three for the for the first time, and oh my god, is it cinematic? And I was like, yeah, 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 of course he says that. Like he's trying to promote his own his own stuff. But then I saw it, and then I saw it again, and you know, then I saw it three more times. But he was right. <laughs> you know, he was absolutely right. Um, this is amazing. So lucky to be around during this golden age of Star Wars content. Um, and I think that'll just about do it for us here on the Jedi Dragon Podcast. So if you guys like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or the podcast app. Give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at Jedi Jargon Pod. That's Jedi Jargon P-O-D, short for podcast. Um, you know, Be sure to comment um, on our posts. You know, Give us your thoughts on the episode. And maybe we'll do some DMs next week if you guys want to DM us. Um, we'll read some we'll read some feedback. So, that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, the pod will be with you always. Always.